Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 102 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever by Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how you doing? I'm good Joey, how are you? Very good my friend, very good. Right, episode 102, there's quite a bit to review. We will be uh, doing of course the review in part one and we will be speaking to our first guest, a man who's involved in a heavyweight clash, a rematch as well on the Joshua versus Pulev undercard. Also, um, in part two, the Funny Name Fighter segment will be returning and also we will do the latest news. There's quite a bit of news and, of course, the preview part before welcoming our second and final guest. That will be the show today. You probably knew that already, though, if you've listened before. Right, we're going to dive straight into the review and we're going to start with a card that happened in Spain. It was just one fight, really, to mention. It was at the Polideporto Vicente Trueba in Toro La Vaga, Cantabria. One one fight to mention really on this bill. Sergio Martinez actually promoted this show. It's his own fighter, and um, you know Spain hasn't really got the most kind of you know kind of best crop of fighters coming through. You know you think of Spanish fighters, you kind of think of uh, the likes of you know Kiko Martinez, somebody like that. Well, this man is on the up. It's a man called Sergio Garcia. He's now twenty five and zero here. Um, he made his opponent retire on his store after seven rounds. He didn't come out for round eight. His opponent's name was Felice Moncelli. His record now 17-5 and five with one draw. And also Sergio Garcia put on the line his WBC Silver Super Welterweight title. And he retained that successfully. Moving over now to the convention center in Tucson, Arizona, USA. We're going to start with the undercard. Um... Well, there wasn't too much on the undercard. There was one fight I think I want to mention. Oscar Valdez, 22-0, put his WBO World Featherweight title on the line against Genesis Cervania. Now, you know, we didn't really know too much about Cervania. We knew he was obviously from the Philippines. He had a nice, you know, 100% perfect record, 29-0 going into the fight. Two undefeated fighters. Valdez actually tasted the canvas in round four. And then, you know, he did really well, to be honest, to, to get up and come out in round five and put his opponent down. So impressive stuff there from um, Oscar Valdez. But what I will say... Oscar Valdez has got a beautiful and spiteful left hook, but Valdez, he seems to walk away with with his left hand down, and, and twice in that fourth round, he was put down. The first time, he got back up, and to his credit, you know, he jumped straight back up. He didn't really seem hurt by it in the slightest, but then again, about 10 seconds later, he did the exact same thing. He just walks away with his left hand down. He was open to the right hook over the top. Um, but yeah, on the... Uh, you know, on the, on the flip side of that, in the fifth round, he came out. He came out in a in a kind of seek and destroy like mentality, and a huge, huge left hook dropped the Filipino on his face in round five. Um, he got back up. He was on. He was on shaky legs, and 
he took a bit of a hammering, but still he stood there, he survived the round, and you know he just showed his toughness. So that guy there, Genesis Savania, very very tough guy. Um, it was it was a it was an exciting fight to to a certain degree. It was it was non-stop action. Both guys, um, you know, were in deep water early pretty much, and they didn't really seem to be phased in possibly visiting the canvas again. Either man, they really you know they were they were fighting. Um, aggressively not really worrying about what would be coming back despite as i said they're touching the canvas um yeah both fighters were winging in big shots in um in the fight some of them just missing just whistling past either man's chin but no it was a really good fight for me and the rightful winner was oscar valdez now oscar valdez extends his record to 23 and oh it was a unanimous decision over 12 rounds and genesis savanieri put up a very good effort but Unfortunately, it wasn't to be for him. He goes back to the drawing board now, 29-1, and one, his first career blemish. Top of that bill, Gilberto Ramirez, 35-0, and 0, put his WBO World Super Middleweight title on the line against Jesse Hart. Now, Jesse Hart, we had him on the show a few weeks ago. Good talker, nice guy, all in all. And it was an intriguing fight going in. We knew that Gilberto Ramirez was, you know, a very good fighter, very um, hard-to-beat fighter, not always the most you know, the most eye-catching fighter. Um, So what I will say, in the first round, Hart landed a very good shot. Ramirez took it well and fired straight back whilst Hart was too slow bringing his guard back. He seemed like... um, I think it was a it was it was a good shot. I'm sure it was in the first or second round. He landed a really good shot, Hart. But it, I think it was the second round. It was the second round. Yeah, it was when he got dropped actually. So that was in round two. He threw a really good shot, Hart. And like I say, when he when he brought his hands back, he was just too slow bringing his hands back, and he got caught and dropped. And his legs, you know, they really betrayed him badly. Like he got back up, and I actually thought the referee would probably stop it. I think the referee was quite lenient there, to be honest. And also right after that, as soon as he got back up, Ramirez jumped on him straight away but Hart showed some grit you know he wasn't really tying Gilberto Ramirez up like he should have been and he got through that second round there now the third round was a close round I actually edged that one to Hart Ramirez landed a real big low blow as well during the fight I think it may have been round four Jesse Hart really should have took a little bit longer he had a little um, a little bit of a break I think the referee gave him a few seconds but really I think he should have took a little bit longer seeing as you know he'd, he'd been down not too long before that um you know, the thing about Ramirez as well, he was fainting a lot when he was doing that. It's uh, it's a really effective role in his game, in my opinion. And again, you know, Jesse Hart with his low guard, he kept being open for shots over the top, kept eating big power punches. And when Hart did keep a high guard, Ramirez was able to break it up with ease and land big hooks around the back of the guard too. Really poor defensive work from Hart, but Hart's counterpunching was really good actually. I was quite surprised by that. But no, his right hand was just too low all fight, open to a big southpaw backhand over the top. And Hart landed a good amount of powerful shots, you know, over the course of the fight, you know, some, some really powerful looking uppercuts but Ramirez was taking them well as well Um, in round nine Hart gave Ramirez a lot to think about I feel you know he was he was he was landing clean shots but he just was being outworked a little bit and it was it was kind of hard to score it but I was being quite lenient towards Hart Um, I think the 11th round was a really good round for Hart as well he seemed to continually land big shots on Ramirez who for the first time in that fight actually slowed down dramatically and you know I actually thought the 12th round was going to be a really big um, a a really big round in terms of 
how the fight could go. I wasn't too sure who was winning it at that stage because at that point I had it very close. And the 12th round was obviously a really important round. Both guys went to war for the last three minutes as well. You know, that made it really exciting. Um, you know, both men really... It was, the, it was the way that fights should be like. A world title fight like that. A man challenging, a proper champion. That's what we want to see. We want to see both men give it their all. Leave nothing outside the ring. Leave it all in the ring. And... Um, I actually had the last round going to, um, well, I kind of had it going to heart, but then Ramirez fought back. So for me, I actually ended up giving that a 10-10. So on my scorecard, it was 1-1-4, 1-1-4. So I actually had that fight a draw. Um, obviously, the, the scorecards were read out in the end, and it was a unanimous decision win for Gilberto Ramirez. His record now 36-0. Jesse Hart now 22-1. and So for me, on my card anyway, that knockdown really played a big part. Um, it was a close fight though, and I can't really remember how the judges had it, but I'm sure... I'm sure it was quite close. I think that the knockdown played a part in it as well for them. Um, I just can't remember the scorecards off the top of my head. But anyway, that's it for that card. We're going to try to move on a little bit quicker now. One fight happened at the Sugar House Casino in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Devin Haney, the young prospect, 18 years old. He's already 17-0. and 0. This was his 17th win here. He picked up a unanimous decision over eight rounds against Enrique Tinoco. Good win there for Devin Haney. Very exciting young man. We've been raving about about him for quite a while now he's only been a pro for something like 21 months he's already had like 17 18 fights so um yeah amazing stuff there from Devin Haney moving over now to Belarus one fight to mention over there at the Palace of Culture in Borisov Sergei Rabchenko 28 and 2 he's now 29 and 2 he picked up a TKO in round 2 against Sergei Krapshyla whose record was 4-18 and 18 with two draws, now 4-19 and 19 with two draws. Again, Sergei Ravchenko, a man that used to be involved with Ricky Hatton. I think that, um, I think that the, the partnership's broke up now, but we've got to mention that, of course. Now moving over to the Manchester Arena, formerly the MEN, Manchester Lancashire United Kingdom. We're going to start with the undercard. It wasn't a great undercard. Of course, it was free to stream on YouTube, which I did. Um... Peter McDonough, 27 and 28 with one draw going in, took on Shane Singleton, 23 and 2 with one draw. Now, Shane Singleton, I remember watching him fight Bradley Skeet a couple months back, and he impressed me a little bit, but I think it was more so because Bradley Skeet was just trying to load up on, on, you know, on him and try and get that big one-punch kind of knockout early, and he was just throwing singular shots. And while he was doing that, Shane Singleton happily accommodated that and was throwing in, in bunches and looking quite good, had a good jab and all that stuff. And, you know, he was probably winning a few of those rounds against Skeet until Skeet obviously took him out. What I will say is I was very impressed by Peter McDonough because for me, I thought that Shane Singleton would probably win this fight quite easily. So um, it was a really impressive win over 10 rounds there. That's a points win for Peter McDonough. His record now 28-28 and 28 with one draw. And Shane Singleton, that's a big loss. I'm not quite sure where he goes from here. His record now 23-3 and three with one draw. Also on that bill, Joe Murray took on Matty Fagan. Joe Murray was down in the second round and also had a point deducted in the eighth round, but ultimately one on points over 10. So Joe Murray now 22-2, and two. Matty Fagan... 11 and 3. Also on the bill, Jimmy Kelly, 22 and 1, fought for the vacant WBO Intercontinental Super Welterweight title against Stylian Kostov. 
his record was 21 and 7, but now it's 21 and 8 because Jimmy Kelly knocked him out in round four. Kostov was also down in that first round, and I think he was down twice in the fourth. So good win there for Jimmy Kelly, to be honest. Really pleased for him. His record now 23 and 1. Josh Wow, he took on Don Broadhurst. Josh Wow, 24 and 9 with two draws going in. Don Broadhurst, 19 and 3 with one draw. It was for the British Bantamweight title, obviously. Josh Wow's belt there. And Broadhurst was KO'd by a right hook in round 11. It was a decent fight while it lasted, but that's a good win there for Josh Wow. I actually had him the underdog going into that fight. His record now 25 and 9 with two draws. Don Broadhurst fails to get his 20th win. He picks up a Another loss. His record now 19 and 4 with one draw. And now the main event, Iaz. Um, I'm going to throw it over to you. But just before I do that, I just want to kind of basically say what I saw um, just briefly before I kind of break down the fight itself. Joseph Parker, 23 and 0, of course, going in. Huey Fury, 20 and 0. Both men undefeated. Both men, to some degree, I, I mean, I wouldn't say Joseph Parker's a prospect still, but both men are kind of a little bit unknown on that world level. They're still kind of building up. It sounds strange to say that about Parker, but Huey Fury, certainly. The WBO World Heavyweight title was on the line as well. The funny thing about this fight was the, um, the promoter of... Joseph Parker. It's, it's, a, it's a team called Duco Events. We're quite um, we're quite pally with them actually, because of course Joseph's been on the show a couple of times. Duco were furious that Terry O'Connor, the referee, had been appointed to be the referee for this fight, and they were basically going crazy, saying it was unfair, especially because Terry O'Connor actually refereed Huey Fury's two prior fights to this fight. So they were protesting about that, and what actually ended up happening was um, Terry O'Connor was replaced as referee, and he became the judge of the fight, or one of the three judges, of course. And, um, you know, straight away, everybody would kind of think, well... You know he's he's been he's been placed in the in the judges panel instead of the referee. He's probably going to try and screw over Parker if it does go to the decision. And I did say I think it was going to go to the decision. I, I did say that, and it did. And unbelievably, two judges gave it one eighteen one ten in favour of um, Joseph Parker. That's ten rounds to two. That's the same as what Adelaide Bird scored for Canelo over Triple G the other week. And the other judge gave it one one four one one four, so it was a majority decision in favour of Joseph Parker. He retains his WBO world title. So, Ayaz, what did you see of this fight? I obviously watched the whole thing as well, but I was actually watching it on a Periscope broadcast. I wasn't actually watching it on a, a proper TV or, or a proper laptop. I was watching it on my phone. Um, some guy was basically, you know, videoing his TV. Shout out to Boxing Tribe UK. That was the, the channel I was watching the fight on. But um, yeah, from what I could see, I, I really thought Huey, Huey won that fight quite convincingly. But I'm going to throw it over to you before I give it a slightly more detailed tactical breakdown. What did you make of it, Ayaz? Right, I watched the fight on my laptop, and I'll tell you something about this year. First of all, yeah, at the start, Huey Fury, in my opinion, was nicking the rounds. Parker was coming in, and Huey Fury was hitting with the uppercut, you can see, and with his right hand. Huey Fury was winning the first six, first five rounds, and then from there, um, Huey, uh, Parker was roughing him up. So Parker was like hitting him with more shots. But um, obviously, with Parker, in my opinion, like he, what he is, yeah, he starts off slow. For Huey Fury is a technical boxer. And what that basically means is that, like, for example, like, he'll, he'll try to box him in movement. And this, what happened, what happened in this fight, yeah, was that part, when Parker was coming in, Huey Fury was hitting him with his uppercuts with his right hook. And after round five, 
in my opinion, was Parker, because Parker was actually roughing him up. After round five, in my opinion, Parker was winning the fight. The thing with Parker, like, a lot of people, what, what he does is, like, he, he gets, it's like boxing, he gets into a rhythm. And what Parker was doing, he was slowly getting into that rhythm. And then, obviously, he had, um, he hurt a couple of times. Uh, he hurt Huey a couple of times. Now, O.C. Parker won the fight. And in my opinion, I wouldn't count it as a robbery. And those two judges that gave it 118, 110, I don't know what they're watching. I would probably give it 115, 113. That's what I personally would have given. But let me tell you something now. Now that Parker's won this fight, yeah, is he an elite world title fight? Like, is he a person that will beat the big guys? In my opinion, no. I'll tell you what. If he gets in with a Dillian White, I personally think Dillian White would beat him. Jarrell Miller will beat him. Someone Wilder will knock him out. Joshua will knock him out. His performance, Parker's last few performances, um, since he's won the world title against Andy Ruiz, his performance have not been great. The one they showed on Sky Sports and Dillian White was commentating. Bad performance. This, again, a bad performance. He'll beat, uh, D- uh, he won't beat Dillian White. He won't beat um, Gerald Miller. He won't beat Luis Ortiz. He won't beat Deontay Wilder. He won't beat Tyson Fury or Povetkin. I like uh, Parker in his interviews. I like watching his interviews, but we're seeing him fight. He, he, I, don't, I personally think he'll get knocked out if he fought one of the be- uh, best good fighters like White. But like I said, Huey Fury... What is Huey Fu? He's young. He's only 20. Is it 22 or 23? I think he's just turned 23, I think. Yeah. Yes. Huey Fu is still young. So what he'll do, he'll come back and he'll he'll win a world title in the future. That's what I personally think. Yeah, I mean, the way I saw the fight, again, as I said, I was watching it on my phone from someone else's TV. And the person I was watching it, um, I was watching it, you know, on, on their channel. The person was kind of a uh, Huey Fury fan. He's an Irish fella. But from what I could see, and you know, granted it wasn't the best picture, but I just, I just saw Huey winning that fight. I mean, I just, you know, as you said, there he was boxing and moving. He was boxing off the back foot. It was effective. You know, he was using his his his, his range and distance well. And remember, I actually picked Joseph Parker to win on points on the prediction league last week, and I just, I just thought that when when you've gone with 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 Joseph Parker to win on points. You do actually want that to happen. It can, you know, you, you want to, you you know, this prediction is quite serious. I, I did want that to happen, so you know, I just, I, I just couldn't give it to Parker though. And those two scorecards were just outrageous. It was terrible. Um, it was shocking that that one of those guys was Terry O'Connor, but he um, just no, I don't, I don't, I don't think it was, it was a fair decision for me. I think. I don't know what it was, but Peter Fury didn't really seem too upset with it. And people have said, oh, you know, he's a professional man. But I was raging at the time. And, I mean, I was shocked. When they said, um, you know, one judge has given it a draw, I was thinking, oh, that's that's a bit dodgy. Then they went, okay, and the other two judges scored about 118-110. I was thinking, wow, that's, uh, you know, obviously Huey's got it, but even that's a little bit wide, maybe just a little bit, not too much, just a little bit, but to actually have it to Parker. Straight away, I thought, no, 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 these two judges have written the wrong name down. There's no way that's happened. You know, Huey was countering him pretty much the whole fight. His movement was so good. And what I will say about Huey as well, he took some big punches flush on the chin and they did not bother him at all. I've said it before, Parker's not the biggest one-punch boxer, but accumulatively over the rounds he can hurt you and especially if he throws um you know or or throws a combination and you get hit with that and i just think that 
Huey Fury did a phenomenal job of, of boxing and moving. And, you know, unfortunately, because he was on the back foot all the time, it maybe gave these judges the impression, or, or, or not just these judges, other people um, that watched the fight and scored it to Joseph Parker, maybe the aggression, the, the, the thing that he was always the man coming forward, taking center of the ring, maybe that was what influenced it, because I just could not see it for me, I really couldn't see it, so for me it was pretty outrageous, um, you know, Huey Fury's been been quite inactive, and obviously this was his, his shot, he was in a mandatory position for it as well, and I'm not quite sure where he goes from here, I know that Peter Fury said that they're going to be, um, you know, keeping him very busy next year, but I just... I just don't know. I feel I feel it's, it's a great shame for Huey Fury. I feel really gutted for him. And like like I said, there I didn't really finish what my sentence there. Um, people saying you know I was I was saying Peter Fury's not he didn't seem to be too upset by it. And people are saying well he's professional. You know I understand that. And I'm I'm not Huey Fury's dad, but I was raging and and everybody was raging. Tyson Fury was raging. I just I don't know. Maybe Huey could have thrown some more right hands, but I think he did enough to win clearly in my book, but um, that's it for that fight anyway, of course, Joseph Parker retains his heavyweight title, um, shocking or not, you decide, his record now 24-0, and 0, Huey Fury 20-1, and 1. Um, one fight that we missed out actually, I just, just remembered now, we missed out a fight on the Gilberto Ramirez and Jesse Hart card, Michael Conlon, he proceeded to 4-0, and 0. he had his man down in round 2 and knocked him out in round 2, that's a TKO victory for Conlon, his opponent by the way was Kenny Guzman, he was also unbeaten in 3 fights, his record now 3-1, and 1. 2 seconds before the the right hook finishing punch, Teddy Atlas, the commentator, actually said that Conlon doesn't have much power, and as soon as Conlon landed the punch, it was it was one big, you know, it was a, it was a big one-punch knockdown. It wasn't accumulative or anything like that. Teddy Atlas quickly tries to justify what he said, and he claimed it was an accumulation of the shots. Give it a rest, Teddy. It was a big shot. It was a big knockdown. Credit to the opponent. He got back up, and the referee somewhat prematurely waved it off, but it was one-way traffic through that second round. The opponent was starting to get busted up. It was getting a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit one-sided, but Teddy Atlas, boy, oh boy, where are you? Um, moving over now to York Hall, Bethnal Green, London. In fact, just before we move over there, we should um, we should, we should should do the scores, Iaz. Um, last week, you went with Huey Fury to, 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 to get a points win. I went with Joseph Parker to get a points win. And of course, our listeners, they went with... Fury to win on points as well. So unfortunately, the listeners gain no points there. I gain a point for the Parker win on points, and uh, I, as you, don't gain a point because you pick Fury. Um, so yeah, plus one for me there. Um, moving over now to yeah to, to York Hall, Bethnal Green. Couple fights to mention on this bill. Miles Shinkwin, friend of the show, he moved to 14 professional wins. He's also got two losses as well. Uh, it was a six-round points win against Josip Perkovic. His record four and two, now four and three with one draw. Also on the bill as well, Wadi Camacho. He moved to 18 wins inside 25 fights. His record now 18 and seven. He defended successfully his Southern Area Cruiserweight crown against Ozzy Jervia, whose record is now four and four. It was a points win over 10 rounds there for Wadi Camacho. Moving over now to one fight that massively went under the radar. It was quite surprising. I didn't even know it was happening. Um, it was over in 
Hungary in Budapest at the Budapest Fight Center. Um, controversial flyweight character Prince Patel, his record 4 0 with one draw. He took on a man called Christian Horvath, whose record was 0 10. Now, I've got no idea why Prince Patel was even fighting in Hungary. I've got, I mean, I just saw it and thought, hang on a minute, what's that? Is there a different Prince Patel? No. I don't know what's going on there, but again, he picks up a knockout in the first round. So a decent win there for Prince Patel, but again, his opponent. Didn't really come to offer too much, and I didn't see the fight at all. It was um, very hard to find that one. Moving over now to the forum in Inglewood, California, USA. Obviously, the, the Jorge Linares and Luke Campbell card. The undercard really wasn't up to much. What I will say, Luke Campbell's father passed away a couple of weeks before the fight, and he didn't mention it to nobody. I don't even think Eddie Hearn knew. Um, he just really wanted to try and focus on what was ahead of him, and he didn't want Linares' camp to find that out, to think it could be some kind of weakness in his game. Credit to Luke Campbell for getting in there and showing grit. It was a really good fight for me. This is the way I saw it, though, in, in my honest opinion. And again, this is one where I picked Linares to win on points. That's what happened, so I gained a point there. I, as you, went with Linares on points as well, so you gain a point there. And the listeners went with Linares by knockout. So unfortunately, this week, the listeners have haven't picked up any points. They've uh, they've missed, you know, two opportunities, zero points. As you've picked up a point from two opportunities, and myself, I've picked up two points from two opportunities. So it's been a good week for my predictions. Um, yeah, in the Lenares fight, for me, you know, Lenares kept fighting very well in the second half of pretty much every round. So he was doing that kind of clever, experienced moves there to try to steal a round on the scorecards. You know, he was always trying to finish the round really well and steal it. And that's a very experienced thing to do. Obviously, we know that probably the best at that is Arthur Abraham. Um, obviously, Campbell was put down in the second round, a, a decent a decent knockdown. Didn't seem to be too hurt, but, you know, it was cut as well. It really looked like he was out of his depth, to be honest. Um, credit to him, though. He, he got up after that, that, that second round knockdown, and he fought really, really well for me. I, I actually had him winning a number of the rounds. Um, you know, he, he seemed to just... I don't know. He, he seemed to just get into his groove. It was like that, that knockdown woke him up a little bit. Um, but no, he had an awful start to the fight, and for me, the actual... The, the actual knockdown was was a big big point of the fight a big um a big factor in the fight i should say and i actually had it 114 to 113 to lenares at the end of the fight so again if that knockdown wasn't there and even if lenares still won that round 10-9 i would have had the fight a draw but for me the rightful winner was lenares i know that um Victor Lachlan was over there and he actually gave his scorecard in. I think it was 115 to 113 for Luke Campbell. I think that's a little bit too a bit a little bit too generous there to be honest. I couldn't really see Luke Campbell nicking it and I was trying to be quite fair with him really. Um a split decision win ultimately over twelve rounds for Jorge Linares. His record now forty three and three. Luke Campbell now seventeen and two. Um what I will say though is in a strange way. I mean, he was really good, Linares, like like he has been recently. He seems to be, um, you know, a brilliant fighter once again, despite going through a few sticky patches a few years back. But his performance was really good. And even though Luke Campbell fought really well, and I've criticised Luke Campbell in the past for being a little bit overrated, I actually think, I mean, that, that, that performance there made me even more excited for the 
proposed showdown between um, Jorge Linares and Mikey Garcia. That really made me pumped for that. So I hope that does end up coming off. But yeah, we're going to try to get through this a little bit quicker now. Moving over now to the Hartman Arena in Park City, Kansas, USA. One fight to mention on this bill. Zilil Zhang, his record 17-0. and 0. He took on a journeyman, really, even though he's got a, a winning record. His name is Byron Polly. His record 30-21 and 21 going in. I think he's been stopped maybe 17 or 18 times out of those 21 times. Of course, he's also got um, one draw on his record, but Byron Polly, I mean, he's been stopped by Charles Martin, he's been stopped by a bunch of guys, can't really remember some of the names now, but he's been fighting for quite a while, and he's been stopped by so many decent fighters, like anybody with, with a decent name that's been in with him has stopped him mostly in the first round, so it was no different here, Zilel Zhang now 18-0, and 0. TKO in the first round for him. Byron Polly now 30 and 22 with one draw. Um, you know, we didn't really learn too much there from Zhang, obviously. Decent amateur. I want to see him now in some big fights. I think he's world ranked with a WBO, but none of the other sanctioning bodies. But he's a big six foot six southpaw from China, so it'd be interesting to see what happens with him. Moving over now to the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas, USA. This was the ITV box office card. It was actually free though um right i'm going to mention a couple of the fights here keith tapia his record 17 and 1 going in he took on latif coyote who if i'm not mistaken was out the ring for about oh i can't remember now but he was out the ring for quite a long time latif coyote coyote's a tough guy as well man really tough guy his record 21 and 1 going in um yeah keith tapia did quite well to be honest he impressed me um coyote was put down in round six as well keith tapia we know he's quite heavy-handed um yeah, it was it was a unanimous decision over ten rounds. wasn't really the most thrilling or you know exciting encounter really. Also, it was untelevised, which I was a bit upset about. But Nonito Denier picked up his thirty eighth career win. His record now thirty eight and four. He also picked up the vacant WBC silver featherweight title against Ruben Garcia Hernandez, whose record was twenty two and two with one draw. He's actually a decent fighter, Hernandez. So that was a good win there for Denier. And now the main event: Unier Dutikos twenty one. O took on Dmitry Kudryashov 21 and 1. Both men can put you to sleep with either hand. It was for the WBA World Cruiserweight title. Um yes, I mean I was I was really excited for this fight going in, and it was actually the first time I've watched Dortikos live. Um Kudryashov was very, very sloppy, seemed to be very slow. He took a lot of shots early on in that first round, and he wasn't really able to get into his groove at all. Um, you know, who knows what would have happened if it went long, but Kudryashov landed some good body shots as well, which I will say, some, some you know, sneaky ones, actually. But unfortunately, he wasn't able to unleash any on the chin of Dortikos, which I would have liked to see happen, just to see how good Dortikos's chin is. But credit to Dortikos, two heavy-handed beasts in there, and Dortikos got it over early and very quickly and very impressively in the second round. So a really, really big win there for Dortikos. His record now 22-0 with 21 knockouts. And Dmitry Kudryashov, once again, he's in a fight where somebody gets knocked out, whether it's himself or his opponent. 
He's now 21-2, and two, and every single fight has ended within the distance. So, still, he will be a very exciting fighter, I'm sure, in the near future. That man can certainly bang, regardless of what his defensive skills are like. And moving over now to the final bill to mention from the reviewing part of the show. It actually happened earlier this week. It was on Tuesday this week, a couple of days ago, at the Cannery Casino and Hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. This was on Tuesday, the 26th of September. One month exactly after the McGregor Mayweather. But that's another situation. There was one fight on the bill to mention. Ledwan Barthelemy. That's actually the... Uh, the brother of Rancis Barthelemy, the uh, you know the, the, the former world champion. I'm not even sure if he's got a belt at the moment. But anyway, his younger brother, Ledwan Barthelemy, was 13-0 going in against Eduardo Ramirez, who was 20-0 with two draws. And it ended up being a split draw over 10 rounds. So Barthelemy there, a minor blemish. And Eduardo Ramirez, the third draw inside 23 fights for him. Both men wouldn't have wanted that, but I'm sure they can both come back with a win in their next fights. But that that's really it for the reviewing. I'm very sorry if I've been a little bit too long-winded with that. There was a lot to go over. It's now time to welcome, before we wrap up part one, it's time to welcome our very first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former Commonwealth heavyweight title challenger, Mr. Dave Allen. Dave, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks for me. Thank you. It's good to be back. Hey, it's always good to have you back. So, Dave, we last spoke in April. It's been a little while. It was in the build-up to the fight against Lemroy Thomas for the Commonwealth title, as I mentioned. Um, you came out of that fight without the result you wanted, of course. And I've got to be honest, when I watched it, I actually thought you won that fight. Um, what went wrong for you on the night? And what did you, you know, what did you make of the decision when it got announced? Did you think you won that fight? Well... You know, first and foremost, the result, you know, I, I anticipated before there was, called, there was called out that I would get it. I knew I knew it was a close fight, um, being being the home fight and, and the advances that brings fairly or unfairly. I, I believed I would I would have got it, you know, at the time. Uh, I, I knew it wasn't the greatest fight when I was in there and it was scrappy. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't a great fight, it was hard, it was, it was pretty physical, Lenoir's pretty strong. Um, hit a little harder than I bargained for, but yeah, I thought I was going to get it. You know, uh, when I didn't get it, I was disappointed. You know, obviously, it was over to Lenroy. See how happy he was. I was kind of like, right, you know, shake the man's hand. You know, this is his moment. You know, he's he he, he you know he was seen to be the better man by two out of the three judges. You know, shake his hand and let him enjoy his moment. You know, so I then watched it back. Uh, watched it back a couple of times. I've, I've watched it back more. A lot more recently, uh, with with the fight happening again, and and yeah, I think I think it was probably a fair result. You know, I scored it maybe six rounds apiece or seven fives to Lenroy. Uh, there was maybe a couple of even rounds in there somewhere. You know, the point to coffee was a bit harsh. I felt the knockdown that wasn't counted. You know, I don't I don't think it was a knockdown. You know, I think all in all, I think it was a fair result, and I'm and I'm glad that he got the result as well. I'm glad he got that. I'm glad he got the benefit of the doubt as the away fight, and he, and he got the result because. It turned me into a different man now. So I got the result. I'd probably kept on plodding on, thinking, you know, I can, I can fight at these levels. You know, not 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 in hundred percent condition, and and I carried on until you know I I got beat up again like I did with Ortiz. You know, so it was a blessing in disguise, I believe. Yeah, that's very honest of you to say there how you you know how you saw the fight when watching it back. Um, you know, going into that fight again, we we didn't really know. 
I'm talking kind of as, you know, I'm talking for boxing fans a little bit here. We didn't really know too much about the guy and, you know, automatically having, you know, a connection with you, I kind of had him down as the bad guy. I didn't want him to win. And only when we kind of heard from him after the fight, he seemed like a really nice guy. But boxing wise, did you underestimate him a little bit, do you think? Because I know you were very confident going in. Yeah, I underestimated him massively. Um, and, and I knew he'd be a good fighter. And I knew he'd, he's very experienced. You know, he's been fighting longer than he's been fighting nearly as long as I've been alive. You know, he's very experienced. Had a lot of amateur fights. He's been in all the camps, sparring. I've been in a few camps, sparring. He's been in all himself. He's been in, he's been in more more so because he's older. But I knew he'd be a good fighter. I knew he'd be defensively sound. You know, but with, with all the sparring in all these camps, you, you become a very sound defensive fighter. Because, you know, if you get put on your back too many times, you don't get asked back. So you, you learn how to look after yourself. I knew that. I just, you know, I, I've seen his partners with Dominic Breezy, Allen and Featherstone, and he looked like he had a bit of quitting in him, you know. So I went in with a game plan, really, of walk him down and he'll quit eventually. And I took my foot off the gas in training and in the fight. It, it, it wasn't the kind of, I, I believe he will quit you know again you know once you quit I still believe once you quit once you'll quit again but I didn't put the I didn't put anywhere near enough I didn't put enough shots together to, to make him to make him get like that. I wasn't fit enough I wasn't conditioned it was a terrible performance I think that's you know I, I put in a few bad performances in my career already but I believe that was by far the worst you know, on the biggest stage as well it was you know, I'm very lucky to believe to get this chance again after after that night. I was, I was, it was. I watched it back, and like I say I only watched it a couple of times at first before the fight got um, made again because it was it was that bad on my part. It was really, really bad. So um, it's difficult to say. You know, I I, I believe the best Leroy Thomas turned up on that night, and, and he beat the worst me. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. And the last question on that, because it, it is a bit of a negative. Um, how badly, Dave, were you affected mentally by the loss? Because um, if I'm not mistaken, did you come off of social media for a little bit just to sort of take a bit of time out? Yeah, I came off for a little while. You know, it, it hurt massively. It was like, it just felt, you know, May May 27th at Bromwell Lane, you know, I just felt like that was going to be my night, you know. It was... Like it was thirty, uh, it was thirty-three years to the month. My dad boxed there for the last time as a pro. My dad was there. Um, it just felt like everything was there. Was there on that night? It was written for everything on that night to be for it to happen, and it, and it didn't. And the worst thing about it was, is that was my own doing. If I'd have put the work in the gym, if I'd have just kept kept doing what I was doing the first couple of weeks of camp before I saw Lenroy, and then. It would have come together, and that was the hardest thing to do. With the fact that it, it, it was my own, I cost myself, you know. I'd be Leonard like Thomas, you know. I, now I'd be looking, there's some massive fights out there, and I'd have division you know, for myself. So, so yeah, that hurt, you know. And then a couple of weeks after the fight, and I was all right with it, you know. I thought, you know what, I hope I'm going to get my chance again. I was down to fight in Preston, um, you know, my dad fell ill, um, and, and, and other stuff, and. I took some time off social media, um, got stuck into a little bit of training. I bought some Dallas, and 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 then you know it was just a case of waiting for a date, and then and then as soon as as soon as we we I, obviously I before everyone knows that like, I know what's going on. I knew I was going to fight Lenroy a little bit before um, it becomes common knowledge. So 
since that point, I've been in the gym. I've been in the gym two or three times a day, six days a week, running, eating correctly. And, you know, if I don't meet Lenroy Thomas next time, you know, I, I will have to shake his hand and say he's a better man because this this, this is this is going to be the best me that I can be um, right now. You know, I'll be a lot better fighter in, in the future, I believe. But this is the best me that I can be for this fight. And two months after that fight, as we, as we said there, for two months after the Lemroy fight, as you just touched on as well, you fought Tom Dallas. Obviously, you, you scored a third round knockout in that fight. How important was that win for you, again, mentally? Did you feel that you needed to get a win before getting back in there? Yeah, it, that, all that fight was a case of was um, getting a win, you know, because I know coming off a loss and that, it, it's difficult to get a decent fight. I know if I had a win, you can. I don't, I'm not sure if you can even fight for a, a, a major title coming off a loss. So it was about just getting a win, getting back in the ring as soon as possible, trying to get myself just my weight just blown up a little bit, getting myself a little bit of interest to get back in the gym and get back training. Um, you know, it was going out. It was just, you know, as daft as it seemed, it was just something, it was, obviously we had to get a win, but it was just something to do. Went to Essex for the weekend, you know. I was on first, so I got out there and I watched a, a good night of boxing. I'm a big boxing fan anyway. Uh, so, yeah, it was just, it was just about getting a win and getting back in the swing of things and, and getting my head on the job, you know. And at that point, we didn't know about the Lenroy rematch, but, you know, um Around that point, David Hayes called me and I think in the Joe Joyce, uh, Joe Joyce fight, sorry. You know, so I, I was never going to take that fight, but I knew there was, there was things in the pylon as always as a heavyweight, you know, with it was really with the big names, there was always going to be opportunities. So the, the opportunity that I wanted, but I know Thomas rematch so luckily has come up, but you know, I knew there was going to be a big fight on the horizon. So yeah, we got the win and, and we, got, we got on the path to getting, to getting in, in good shape. And just 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 to take you back there, Dave, did you say that at the time of the Tom Dallas fight, you you wasn't aware of the rematch happening at that stage? No, no, no I wasn't aware at that point. No, um, okay. at that point we was just you know wasn't sure what was happening with Eddie and Matt Young. We didn't really know. Uh, you know, Eddie after the the fight at Bramalane, Eddie Eddie came to me and you know he said that wasn't great and whatever else. And I said, yeah, I know. We had a tiny little bit of a talk. Um, and he said you're gonna get another, you'll you'll get another chance, you know. But I'm not really, um, I'm not, I'm not really heard from Eddie, so I wasn't sure what was happening. So I went down to fight on Dallas and just kind of, like I said, get a win, put myself in the shot window, just get myself a bit of a, uh, get myself going again. And, and and if the worst comes to worst, and we wasn't gonna get back on the match, so you know we, we was gonna we was gonna keep doing that. We was gonna keep going around paying for. Of paying paying for our own opponents and getting some wins and, and until we could get back on a on a decent show with a decent opponent. So so yeah. And obviously, as we've as we touched on as well, the rematch is now set for October twenty eighth in Wales on the Joshua versus Pulev undercard, an even bigger card than the last one. To be honest, how happy are you to be fighting on another huge bill? Yeah, I'm very lucky. You know, a lot of people tell me. You know, some people tell me in a nice fashion. Some people tell me. In a not so nice way, but to be on these shows, you know, these aren't even arena shows; these are stadium shows. Um, and, and does my ability warrant a position on these shows? You know, from what I've shown in the ring so mm. far, you know, probably not. But here we are anyway, and, and it's my job this time to to take this chance and take it with our fans and put on a good performance. You know, impress, you know, beat Lenny up, stop him, win the Commonwealth title, and 
and show and, and show that I am worthy of being on these kind of shows and, and set up some big fights and, and, and maintain my place on these kind of shows, on these undercars, on these undercars, cars, in, in these stadiums, you know. I know that it's there, I know the ability is there, you know, so that's what it's all about, you know. This 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 is my last chance, you know. This, I don't perform against Lenroy, it's a long way back. I will never I won't stop boxing. If I lose against Lenroy, it's either the war or Joe Joyce probably next, you know, and if I beat Lenroy as tough as it seems, there's probably easier fights on the horizon for more money. It's crazy how boxing works, but but here we are. And the the recent photos I've seen of yourself, Dave, you look like you're in uh, the best shape I've seen you in. And, of course, we're still a couple of weeks away from the fight anyway. Um, without giving too much away, what can you do differently um, in this fight? And what have you done differently in the build-up to get in that in that good shape that you're in? I think the main the main two things have been the, the work on the road, the running, the track work, um, all, all that kind of stuff. You know, running is very important. I didn't really like running because it's hard work, isn't it? So uh didn't do any of that. You know, the running, the circuits in the gym, I do, I do with flyweights and bantam weights and welterweights and light middleweights, and it's hard, but just fit, all around all fitness and conditioning this time. Last time I was really hitting the pads really hitting the pads doing a little bit of sparring and, and and the mad thing is when I boxed Lewis Ortiz and I did my tongue I couldn't talk for a couple of weeks I couldn't eat for even longer and I couldn't spar for the fight in the hall with the Polish plumber for the David Howe fight I'm not sure that I actually sparred before the fight because of my tongue so lean on to the Lenroy fight I think I only sparred 20 rounds in 6 months before the Lenroy fight you know there's no excuse we made it all, you know, I was very poor and I don't put it down to one fact, I put it down to, to all these facts that added together, you know, mainly through fault of my own, but I was only sparring 20 rounds in six months for when I fight, I wasn't sharp, my timing was off, you know, I was, I was missing by a mile, I was, and whatever else, but, you know, for this fight, I'm sparring, I'm starting to spar three times a week now, and I think, I think that, will, I think that's a massive key as, as well as, the all-round fitness and conditioning work on the track in the gym with the circuits and, and I think also vitally as important equally as important as all the things is my diet my diet has, has changed massively and I think I think that's the um, I think that's the uh, that's the key I think that done three things there you know done three things now have, have, have been corrected and I think they're the difference between winning and losing yeah, we certainly hope those things are the key. Um, the last question on this fight before I move on to a couple of other um, interesting uh, kind of matchups in in the heavyweight division. Sometimes I ask fighters for predictions, Dave, and sometimes they tell us, sometimes they don't. I know that you're a very honest man, sometimes a little bit too honest for your own good, but instead yeah. of asking you for a prediction, I'd rather ask you, how sure are you that you can avenge this defeat and become Commonwealth champion on October 28th? If you if you had to put a percentage on it, where would you be with that? No, nothing in life is, nothing in life is uh, definite, but I would say I'm 100% confident. You know, people say 110. I'm weird because I don't believe in anything over 100. You know, 100%. <laughs> I used to be a bit of a, I used to be a supply maths teacher at times. So, if I say anything more than 100, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be. Uh, the kids would laugh at me. But um, I'm very, I'm just massively confident. You know, and I'm very, com but more so confident in just the fact that, you know, if Lenroy beats me again or whatever else, you know, that that's it. I can, I can. The, the reason why last time bothered me so much is because he beat me and it, it it wasn't the best me, you know. 
Dylan White beat me. I wasn't in great condition. I didn't have time to prepare the same for the season even more so. But on them two nights, I knew at that point in time I lost two men that two men that were just better than me at that point. You know, the new two ones was too experienced. They were too good for me. Lenroy Thomas, I believe I lost. That's the only fight in my career I've ever lost due to my own due to my own fault. You know, not training or whatever else. So, um, 100% confident that this is going to be the best me. Uh, and I'm equally as confident that, that I'll win this fight this time. Excellent. I'm I'm happy, very, very happy to hear you say that. Now, moving on to a couple of other things. Huey Fury versus Joseph Parker. It happened on the weekend, of course. If I'm not mistaken, you're one of the minority that thought that um, that Joseph Parker was, was was the rightful winner. Am I wrong, or, or, or did you go with Parker? Yeah, yeah I, I, I thought Parker won the fight, yeah. Okay. Anything you, you want to add to that at all? I just don't think I don't I don't believe you, I don't believe the criteria should be you've got to take the belt off the champion. If you win more rounds than the champion, you win the fight. But I think just looking at it, you know, a lot of it's stylistic as well. You know, if, if you appreciate some nice back foot boxing or whatever else, you probably score the fight to with Fury. If you appreciate someone going forward trying to make a fight, the aggressor, you score it for Parker. And that's how I saw it. I don't think if I think about the fight now, I can't think of it really more than five scoring punches that was landed by either man. Um, Huey looked, you know, the defensiveness, the movement of Huey Fury is absolutely fantastic. He's as good as any of in the division, I believe. You know, that's how, that's what his dad preaches, he teaches, and he does it fantastically. But I don't believe the jab, I don't believe the, I don't believe the knuckle was turned over. I believe it was a bit of a slap with the, with the back of the hand. And I think maybe the judges weren't scoring that. He didn't really throw too many shots with his right hand throughout the whole fight. I think this. I think one eighteen, one ten was unfair because that makes it look like a one-sided fight. But at the same time, the rounds were really hard to score because at times it wasn't really there wasn't a scoring punch landed by either fighter in the round. So, deems the aggressor in that case. I'm not sure. I just thought Joe Parker just looked the busier, you know. And and, and in rounds where there's not a scoring punch landed. I don't know. Do you give it to him? I don't know. That that was the way. I, that was my criteria for scoring a fight. So that that's the way I would have to have gone. And a man that you fought before, Mr. Lewis Ortiz, he will be challenging Deontay Wilder for the WBC heavyweight title. Really interesting fight. Some people saying it's it's Wilder's first proper test. How do you see that one playing yeah. out? I think Lewis Ortiz is the is the most experienced, uh, best boxer in the heavyweight division. His, his judging of distance, his, his shot selection, you know, is is it's fantastic. It's a case of whether if Father Time has caught up with him because the man that beat Brian Jennings doesn't look like the same man that fought Malik Scott and myself. Now, whether that's Malik Scott being fantastically defensive and just being super negative and the fact that I'm a bit better than people think I'm quite smart defensively after the years of sparring the best heavyweights around and having a pretty decent chin. Whether we made him look bad, I'm not sure, but it depends if Father Time's caught with him. The, the, the Lewis Ortiz that beat Brian Jennings, even though I'm lacking the same, maybe the same man that fought me in Malik Scott, I don't know, but on that performance, you would think he's, he's going to get... Lewis Ortiz, for me, is too good to be to be in a, a 12 round fight and not hit and not hit the other man and Deontay Wilder for me is very suspect around the chin you know his punch system is very suspect so 
I've got to suppose Luis Ortiz because I think he's I think he's going to be too clever for for Wilder. I don't think Wilder got the punch distance, you know, to to uh, to to hold these shots and stand up to him. I see it as a I see it I see it as a very three or four round fight, you know. I, I think even I think Luis Ortiz may be a little bit vulnerable himself when he gets hit, you know. So he's definitely not on his side. When I was throwing the shots, he was a bit wary. I don't know. I would I would edge towards an OT stoppage, but a wild knockout wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world because I think I think he's a devastating puncher. Yeah, certainly an intriguing one, but uh, hopefully some questions are answered on that part. Um, and also the main event for the card that you're fighting on, Joshua versus Pulev. Now a lot of people are unhappy about the fight happening. I'm actually one of the small amount of people that think it's actually a decent fight. Well, in my opinion, anyway, Pulev won't be one of these guys that kind of believe in Joshua's hype. I don't think he's going to respect him too much before the first bell. How do you see that one playing out, Dave, or is it a complete easy win for Joshua? I think he's a good fight as well. Pulev is a very experienced man. He's a very strong man. He's very tough. I know everyone's just looking at the Klitschko fight and seeing how Klitschko dealt with him. I think Pulev, he, he, he hurt Klitschko with a jab in the first minute of the fight. And I think Klitschko felt felt his strength, and Klitschko went on the attack, and he caught him with the left hook. You know, if he, that one shot, I don't believe in lucky shots, but if that shot, without that shot, you know, that fight would have been a totally different man. I think Pulev's possibly a top five man in the division, apart from uh, Joshua um, Tyson, if he's still about. You know, maybe Wilder and Ortiz are going favourite against him, but there's not really many I'll pick comfortably against him. You know, he's a, he's a good fight. He's been about for years. He's been in the amateur game since since the 90s. You know, he's very experienced. He can punch. He's very strong. I think Joshua wins. I think after seeing him get up off the canvas against Klitschko and coming back and stopping him, I think he ticked all the boxes that were left to tick. You know, that makes him the number one man right now. He's, he can punch. He's fast. You know, he showed he's got the bottle, he showed he can he can take a punch. He did go down but it was a cracking shot and he got back up. You know, he showed he can do the twelve rounds. He he, he showed a lot in that fight. So for me he's the one man right now, but I think Pulev, you know, really for me, is as good a test as he's gonna get right now. Ortiz, you know, Ortiz maybe punches harder than Pulev, but you know, is he is he as is he as strong and as tough as Pulev? I'm not sure. Wilder hits harder, but again, is he as strong and tough? You know, Parker, is he as experienced and is he as good as Pulev? I'm not sure. So I think it's a good fight. I think I think it's a perfect fight for Joshua right now. I think it's one that he should win if he if he if he's on his game. But it's one that he's definitely got to be wary of and, and set very seriously. Yeah, I think Pulev's got a fantastic jab as well. And uh, Vladimir Klitschko, I tell you about that. Within the first the first yeah. few seconds, he felt that. And finally, Dave, a man that we had on our show a couple of weeks back, a man that you've been heavily linked with for the better part of a year now, really. Ian Lewis, and he takes on Joe Joyce the week before your fight. I know that you know both men very well. How do you see that one playing out? It's, it's a tough ask for, for Ian. I swear with Joe a lot over the years, you know, and um, he's very fit. He's he's just he's just relentless, you know. But if one man if, if there was one heavyweight out there that is dangerous and dangerous early, it's Ian Lewison. I think it's a ridiculous fight that they took for uh, Joe this early. <coughs> I know he's thirty one, thirty two, but there's still no massive rush, you know, you can still get two or three fights in a short space of time and then fight Ian Lewison if that's what you want to do. 
I think Joe, you know, <coughs> Joe has to go in as a favourite, but he is very experienced. He's very, he's very tough. It's not like he's a big puncher that's vulnerable himself. He's very tough himself. Joe is not the biggest puncher in the world. He's just relentless. He just, he, he will just keep going all night. But you know, Ian, Ian, if Ian doesn't get a jar out there two or three rounds, you know, I see, I see Joe, I see Joe stopping Ian late. You know, just by, just with sheer work rate, right? just, just landing. Just landing all the punches, you know. You know, he is the biggest puncher in the world. But if you if you keep getting hit, you know, water keeps, you know, keeps hitting the stone. You know, the stone eventually will break. And so Ian's going to come. I think he's going to come in light and sharp, you know, light and sharp. Not so he can do the ten twelve rounds. Just so just so he can stick that shot on early. Joe is a slow starter. He has been down and stopped in the amateurs early. So. Not a fight I'd rule, uh, rule Ian out of. I'd never rule. I'd never ever rule Ian out of a fight if he's fit. Ian fit and ready is dangerous for any heavyweight in the world. I believe. Look at him against Hoffman in the prize fighter. You know, it wouldn't be the biggest surprise if it would get shot there, really. But you know, if I have to make a decision, you know, if I have to make a choice. You have to. You have to say Joe. You have to say Joe would probably stop <coughs> Ian. Ian late. You know, that 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 would be my final. Uh, might be my final call on it, but. Yeah, I think I think I think it's mad matchmaking. I said I was up with the fight first. We didn't take it. I've got a few more options in here, luckily. And, and then I went on to ask Ian. You know, they're very obviously David Hayes very confident with him, but but we'll see. You know, if he beats Ian, where's he go from there? You know, down stepping up for me, and you know, there's, there's going to be no easy fights. No, not at all. But certainly one I'll be watching anyway. Um, finally. Finally, Dave, anything that you want to add at all before we let you go? I just want to say anyone anyone, uh, anyone that's listening, you know, who supports me, thank you very much, you know. Uh, crazy, you know. We're, we're here. I'm, I'm back in Cardiff fighting Lenroy again because, you know, it's what it's what the majority of the people have, 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 have wanted. And so, yeah, just, just thank you very much uh, for, for everyone supporting me and, and yeah, that's it. So thank you, everyone. Thank you to yourself as well for having me back on. It's my pleasure, mate. Listen, Dave, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. You know that. Best of luck for the 28th of October. We will be pulling for you. Thank you for your time. And we'll catch up sometime after you avenge that loss and capture that classy piece of silverware, my friend. Nice one, mate. Thank you very much. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. But before we get into that, we're going to go over to Ayaz with the latest boxing news. And then we're also going to jump into the returning funny name fighter segment, which has been away for a little while. So we're going to be returning with that. But firstly, Ayaz, bring in the latest news, please. Boxing legend Jake LaMotta has died. Yes, it's, it's, it's a very sad loss, but um, unlike some of the other losses that we've had in boxing on this show, we've talked about many of them, it was one that was imminent a little bit. I, I don't want to, you know, I want to be quite careful what I'm saying, but, you know, he, he lived to be 95 years old, which is just unbelievable. I mean, we'd all love to live that long. I guess he probably lived the life outside the ring, but no, what a fantastic fighter in his heyday. He brought us so many, so many amazing fights. And for a long, long time, he was, you know, everybody talked about him. He's the oldest surviving world champion for for a long time. Like everybody was saying, you know, there's no boxer that's currently, that was currently alive that was as old as him or anywhere near that age. So credit to him. His record ended up, obviously, 83 wins, 19 losses and four draws. And along the way, he took on so many fantastic fighters. You know, he took on 
Sugar Ray Robinson as well. You know, that's uh, you know some people say the the, the best of all time, but um, no, he shared the ring with many many a great fighter, and he was one of those old school guys that just fought every other few weeks. You know, sometimes I think even a little bit more frequent than that. I'm not going to claim to be a huge historian on him, but of course, remember the film Raging Bull with Robert De Niro that was based on Jake LaMotta. So yeah, he was a you know a fantastic fantastic fighter for the uh, the Italian American um, people as well. So, um, yes, it's, it's a sad loss, but what a life he lived. Andrew Ward has retired from boxing. Yes, it's come as a bit of a shock. Of course, um, you know, after the two fights with... With Kovalev, it was it was a brilliant way to end your career, I suppose, and and retire and walk away, especially stopping Kovalev in that second fight, despite what you thought if the, if the stoppage was early or whatever. But no, for me, um, it's a, it's a great time, but it's tricky, isn't it? Because it's hard to kind of gauge when someone should retire, because usually it gets it gets to the point where you see them in a fight and they get badly bashed up, and you're like, nah. You know they've 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 gone past it now. They're not as good as what they was. They need to retire. But it's not you know it's nowhere near that point for Andre Ward. And it, it's weird because it, it's it was such a shock. It's like Floyd Mayweather's quite clearly slowed down in his in his in his you know in his recent years kind of thing. In his last few years, he'd he'd shown signs of slowing down. Whereas Andre Ward, he's still as good as what he what he always has been. He's he's still um, he's not relatively young. He's not relatively old though. He's you know he's been in the game for a while, and you know he, he was a fantastic amateur and, and obviously a fantastic, uh, fantastic professional, as I say. But no, it, it's just it's just a little bit surprising for me. I think he had many, many fights left in him, but for me, my gut feeling, I think he'll probably come back. I think he'll probably come out of retirement. But listen, if he doesn't, then what a fighter he's been. I mean, he's a certain Hall of Famer in my opinion, and. Um, you know, he just about fought everybody, really. I mean, the only fight that I would have liked to have seen that didn't happen with him in recent years anyway was probably the Gennady Golovkin fight, but they weren't, um, you know, they, they, were, they were in different weights at the time when everybody was talking about it. So it would have been made at some kind of catch weight, which I'm not really a fan of anyway. But no, phenomenal fighter, and, you know, we wish him all the very best in his retirements. But, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's opened up the light heavyweight division with him relinquishing his titles. And um, yeah, it's you know we're gonna have to wait and see what happens next. Carl Frampton has signed a promotional deal with Frank Warren. Yes, that's um, a little bit surprising. I mean, I did say to you when it all happened, I as I did say that I thought Carl Frampton was gonna um, probably sign with MTK or probably go stateside, maybe to Bob Arum or something like that. You know, he's teamed up with MTK for some sort of contract. I'm not quite sure what it all is, but. Um, yeah, promotionally he's now with Frank Warren. You know they've they've got a good platform at the moment. Everybody's talking about their events, and um, yeah, it's you know it's, it, we'll have to wait and see if it's if it's a good move for him financially. But no, it's it's exciting. That's that's what I will say at this stage. Danny Jacobs has signed a promotional deal with Matchroom Boxing. Yes, Matchroom have decided to go stateside. They're going to be. If I'm not mistaken, putting on a few shows out there, they're gonna they're gonna have you know some offices out there. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting, really. I mean, it's it's brilliant for for UK fans who are gonna get to see these international boxers, perhaps coming over here to fight. But not only that, we're gonna be getting you know good coverage on Sky Sports of these guys. So yeah, it's exciting. It really is. And of course, you know, Dan, Danny Jacobs, arguably, I know that Eddie Hearn said he's the best middleweight in the world. Arguably, he is. I mean. 
some people say beat Golovkin, and, and everybody knows that Golovkin's the best middleweight in the world. I don't care how you had the Canelo fight squad. You know, <laughs> the man at 160 is Golovkin, and if he lost that fight to Danny Jacobs, then there's an arguable point. Listen, I'm not saying that he did, because I think that Golovkin won the fight against Jacobs, but for those that's, that, that think he nicked it, then for me, or for them, he is the best middleweight in the world, isn't he? So... You know, he's definitely up there, that's that's for sure. But no, it's, it's exciting stuff. He's a he's an exciting fighter, he's the miracle man, and I tell you what, he's a he's a big, big puncher as well. So yeah, I'm excited to see what, what's next for him. I just hope he doesn't fight somebody like Martin Murray. Oh, forget that. Conrad Commons has parted wave with Barry McGuigan and trainer Shane McGuigan. Yes, Comrade Cummins is a man that's um, you know he's been he's been in that camp for a while. Obviously he's got a good relationship with Carl Frampton. Um it seems to all just be going wrong for Shane McGuigan at the moment. I mean, one minute he was like, you know, one of the best trainers in the world, some people were saying. Some people were saying he was like, you know, sort of, an, especially like the best young trainer in the world, like a newcomer. He was doing really well. Obviously, he had David Hay, George Groves, um, you know, Carl Frampton was obviously the, the main reason, the main kind of thing that established him as a good trainer. Everybody kind of followed suit after Carl Frampton was there. And Comrade Cummings was one of the guys there as well. Obviously, Josh Taylor in that gym as well. And um, slowly but surely, everybody's just kind of gone. I mean, David Hayes left. Carl Frampton's left. That's that's his two biggest stars right there. George Groves slightly, slightly behind that. Um, Comrade Cummings has gone now as well. So it seems to be a really, really bad time at the moment for Shane McGuigan. But um, no, listen, he's a good trainer. I'm not doubting what he can do, but... You know, these things happen in boxing sometimes. It's, it's all good one moment and all bad the next. So all the best to him and, and his father, Barry, of course. Badu Jack has vacated his WBA light heavyweight title. Yes, Badu Jack's vacated the belt. I'm not quite sure why. It doesn't really look good. Um, there's been all sorts of conspiracy theories. There's been things that uh, that's come out saying that it was some kind of stipulation in a contract when he fought Nathan Cleverly. I can't really understand that. Um, I hope that we do find out what's gone on there because it doesn't look good from his perspective. But yeah, he's vacated the title. And what I can't understand is Dimitri Bivol, who's a really good fighter. He should be fighting, in my book, um, he should be fighting Sullivan Barrera because Sullivan Barrera's next in line and he's available for that date. But he's 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 completely going mad about it, Barrera. Obviously, his English isn't good. You know, he's, he says everything on Twitter, and you can barely understand it. But I really feel sorry for him. And unbelievably, the the eleventh ranked man in the WBA rankings is an Australian. Um, what's his name again? I ask. Is it um, what's his name again? Oh, uh, Trent Broadhurst. Yeah, yeah, Trent Broadhurst, which is, you know, he's the 11th ranked man. He's an Australian guy. I just don't understand how Bivol is going to be fighting a man ranked at number 11. It just makes no sense. So um, he's going he's gonna to knock that guy out, and that's going to be an easy, easy win for Bivol. But, you know, he has been waiting for quite a while. I know he had the interim belt. He might even still have the interim belt, actually. But I just can't understand why Sullivan Barrera has not been called up about that. But then, at the same time... Um, Andre Ward's just vacated, so that's the super title. And this title, I think, may be the regular one. I'm not quite sure what's going on, but it's all a bit mad. And, hey, it's the WBA. That's all I can say. It's always the WBA in all these weird, 
you know, confusing situations. It's, it's just always the WBA. So a bit annoying, but I hope that Sullivan Barrera gets what he deserves because I tell you what, the only man he's lost to is Andre Ward. That man is a really, really, really good fighter as well. So um, it's sad to see him miss an opportunity, but maybe he'll fight for the super title. I'm not quite sure, but we need to see some kind of announcement from the WBA soon. Otherwise, what are rankings for? Okay, as you've mentioned the Monaco card, I'm going to announce the fights on that show. Okay, uh, let's go on. What's on Which, the, uh, obviously Bivol and, and his guy, what's on the undercard there? Which, the undercard is, I get uh, Caballero, he's Derek Tazor for the European Heavyweight Championship. Yes, that's a man who's unbeaten, that, that guy is actually unbeaten, but uh, I think he's got about 12 knockouts in 16 wins, something like that. Um, he's not a big name. But he's a real banana skin. I mean, imagine if he if he ends up beating Chisora, then that's the end of Chisora for me. So, yeah, tricky opponent, really. I don't I don't really see the the sense in that fight. But yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange one. But then again, Derek Chisora is a bit strange. So I'm not sure why he's took it, but it, it is what it is. Right, Scott Quigg will face Oleg Yefimovic for the WBA featherweight uh, feather world championship eliminator. Yeah, an eliminator there for Scott Quigg. Um, the guy he's fighting, again, is, is a really poor name. It's an okay fight, I, I suppose. I think Scott Quigg's going to probably stop him. It's, I'm not excited for it. It's, it's, it's a boring fight, really, I think. Jamie McDonald will have a rematch against Liboris Solis for the WBA Bantamweight World Championship. Yes, the rematch is finally happening. It was close last time round. I respect Jamie McDonald a lot for taking that fight, obviously. Um, you know, some people really and truly were saying that they robbed him and all that stuff. I don't think that was the case. I don't think it was any corruption. I think it was just a bit of a bad decision. It was very close, though, the fight. Um, yeah, this is his chance to, you know, to, not to right the wrong, but this is his chance to basically enable himself, really, to, to be the clear winner between the two guys. And I think Jamie McDonnell is going to take this fight a lot more seriously than he did the first time round, and I think he's going to win this fight quite clearly probably a points win for him but um yeah the, the whole card itself is it's not a brilliant card but it's a nice place it's a nice place to box i suppose monte carlo and um liborio solis i'm sure he's gonna love his his second trip in in that place but um ultimately i think all the brit boys on that on that card will probably win and win quite easy on the 18th of november on frampton's undercard jamie conlas will face joanne and Cajas for the ibf world super flyweight championship Yes, on the 18th of November, as you said there in Belfast, Frampton returns to the ring, his first fight under promoter Frank Warren. We're not quite sure who he's going to be fighting yet. His opponent will be announced probably in the coming weeks, I'm guessing. But um, it's good to see him fighting again, of course. Um, the guy that he was going to be fighting before, who slipped in the showers, now fighting Abnamaris, so that fight won't be happening, but it's going to be somebody big, I'd imagine. Um, also on that bill, as you said, on the undercard, Jamie Conlon fights for the IBF World Super Flyweight title against Jerwin and Cajas. That's a really, really good fight. I'm happy as well that Jamie Conlon can get a big fight here in, in Belfast. And I'm just pleased for him because he, he's a good fighter, but I kind of feel that he, to a certain degree... You know, he's been fighting these guys who are decent guys, but they're not, like, world beaters or anything. And he gets in a proper slugfest with them, and he gets really busted up. So, you know, I'm happy that he's getting this fight, but I'm just hoping 
that he can really fight smartly because we haven't seen much smart fighting from him. And I think he needs to go to a new level to win this belt here. Um, but no, it's you know it's happening on, on a good stage for him. It's going to be on BT Sports. And um, I'm pleased for him. I, I really am because he's actually a really a really nice kid, Jamie Conlon. Um, also on that bill, as Zelani Tete will be defending his world title too. And Paddy Barnes is on that bill as well. Um, I don't think there's an opponent set up for Paddy Barnes yet. Um, is there any more news for us, Ayers? Finally, Guy Sports have announced uh, three uh, international fights that they'll be showing. Right. Yep, tell us. But the first one will be Santa Cruz v uh, Avalos. And on that undercard will be Abner Mars v Gutierrez. Yes, Gutierrez, the man that was supposed to face Frampton, he slipped. Um, yeah, that's um, that's happening on October 14th. Obviously, Leo Santa Cruz is topping that bill. And also on the same night, Jamel Charlo is topping another bill. Both of those cards are going to be getting shown on Sky Sports on the same night. So I'm not quite sure how they're going to do that because I think they're going to be definitely scheduled at the, the same kind of time i'm not sure how they're going to do that but it should be interesting also we're going to be speaking to a man later on in the show who's on one of those undercards as well yep and finally deontay wilder's fight against lewis ortiz will also be shown on sky sports yeah that one's on november the 4th that's a brilliant fight that's a you know that's a really intriguing fight i'm really really looking forward to that um, yeah, I'm pleased it's, you know, it's been picked up by a UK broadcaster. Obviously, Sky are trying to show all of Deontay Wilder's and, and Joseph Parker's as well, up until the last one, really. They're trying to show all of their fights to try and get the, um, you know, Joe Public, as Eddie Hearn would say, I think, Joe Public to, to, to tune in, have a look and go, oh, yeah, that would be good if they fight Joshua. We'll buy that pay-per-view. So, yeah, they're trying to do that with Deontay Wilder. I think it's probably going to happen if he gets through this fight, which is a big if against Luis Ortiz. Then I reckon Deontay Wilder versus Joshua happens in Wembley Stadium in summer of, of next year. But, um, yeah, that's it for the news, Ayers, right? That's it for the news. Okay, moving over now to the funny named fighter segment. We're going to try to fly through this. I'm not going to mention who the funny named fighters are fighting and where they're fighting and all that stuff. But there's a man fighting this week called David Kiss. That's an okay name. It's not the funniest one. His record one and five or one draw. Um, also another man called Justin Blades. That's that's Justin Blades. He's making his debut against somebody else this this week who's also making their debut in a four-rounder. Moving over now to one in Mexico, a man on that bill called 10K Tsunami. Again, it's not a, it's not a really funny name, but we thought we'd mention it. Also, a man that I'm sure we've mentioned before, Manny Mamakiao. 11 losses and one win with one draw. Manny Mamakiao. And the next one, a man, he's, he's 1-0. His name is Rocky Duncan. I quite like that one, Rocky Duncan. Um, moving over now to another one, a guy on the bill. I'm sure we've mentioned it before. His name is Yang Yang Wang. One and four with one draw. Yang Yang Wang. Um, also, there's a guy, and I like this name, I as I really do. This one is is potentially potentially a winner, I think. His name is Super Top Sing Namchai. He's actually fighting for the... <laughs> For the for the vacant WBC Youth World Featherweight title, he's two and zero. Super top Singh Namcha. Remember, take note of these eyes. We're going to decide who's got the best one. This one wins it for me, but I'm I'm actually going to save this one for last. I'm actually going to save this one. What I'm about, I'm about to say, I'm going to save that one till last. Um, there's a guy fighting in Texas. It's actually on a bill that's being promoted by Roy Jones Jr. His name is Sunday Ajua. I think we've mentioned him before. His record thirteen and two. He takes on a man called John Vera, who's seventeen and zero. 
could be a bad one for Sunday there. And also another name to mention, Young Bin Park. Young Bin Park. That's 2-0 with one draw, his record. Um, I think there's another one on that bill as well, if I'm not mistaken. No, maybe not. And I think it's coming down to the last couple now. There's a guy called Money Pal the Fourth. Money Pal the Fourth. I think that's like a generation of guys called Money Pal. Um, his record, 3-0. and um, There's also a guy called Jin Bum Kim. Literally, Jin Bum Kim. Um, he's making his debut as well. And, oh, there's another one called Gift Bolo. Gift Bolo. He's, he's, well, he hasn't been given a gift. He actually got beat on points this week. His record, 4-5 and five now. Also, a, a man on there called Joseph Cole as well. That's just like the footballer Joe Cole. It was shortened to the footballer. But, yeah, this man's Joseph Cole. Um, and now the funniest one I had, and this wins it for me. I mean, you, you may have a different opinion. But there's actually a guy here. His record, 6-2. and two. <laughs> He gets the win. He gets the win. Even though he's fighting in the sixth round of this week, this guy gets the win just for this name. This guy's name, and I swear to God, the listeners are not going to believe me. This guy's an uh, an Oriental boxer, and his name is Cho Kondong. <laughs> Cho Kondong. That is his name. I'm, I'm not joking. I, honestly, people listening now, I'm not. Look him up. I'm not joking. Cho Kondong. Is that the funniest name one for you? Yes, it is. It's got to be. It's got to be Cho Kondong. Right, moving over now to the previewing. Finally, we're on to, on to the last talking point of the show. Moving over now, this one's actually happening later today, Thursday the 28th of September. Um, one fight happening in the Montreal Casino in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Oscar Rivas, 20-0, good amateur he was. He's fighting for the vacant NABF heavyweight title against Carl Davis Drummond, whose record is 31-4. and um, Oscar Rivas is a man that... You know, I'm, I'm happy that he's fighting for a, for a, for a title now, but I want to see him stepped up a little bit. But a good fighter, him. Um, he's the Colombian, based in Canada. That guy. Um, anything else on the undercard? No, not really. Moving over now to one fight happening this weekend. I think it might be on the Friday. It's at the Tolworth Recreation Centre in Tolworth, London. Um, heavyweight Nick Webb. He's on this bill. His opponent yet to be announced. He's in a six-rounder. His record 11-0. and 0, Looking to move to 12, of course. Friend of the show, Nick Webb, as well. Uh, I like that guy. Um, also on that bill, John Joe Nevin, as well. He's been out the ring for quite a while. His record 8-0. He's in a six-rounder against a to-be-announced opponent. Also, moving over now to the Arena Riga in Riga, Latvia. Um, this one is a Sauerland event. This is part of the World Boxing Super Series tournament. Um... Well, not, not too much on the undercard, but what I will mention, the former WBO Cruiserweight World Champion, Christoph Glowacki, his record 27-1, and that one lost to, uh, to Alexander Usyk. He takes on a man called Leonardo Damian Bruzesi, whose record is 18-3. and That's a 10-rounder. I really like Glowacki. He's actually a really good fighter, but he just couldn't, just couldn't deal with the awkwardness and the movement of Usyk that night. Um, also on that bill, the main event now for the WBC World Cruiserweight title. This is part of the cruiserweight sector of the World Boxing Super Series tournament. Maris Breedis, 22-0 as takes on Mike Perez. Obviously, we know Mike Perez is down at cruiserweight now, looking absolutely ripped. His record, 22-2 with one draw. This is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant fight. This really is. I really can't call a winner. I don't know if you want to call one, Ayers, or do you just want to sit on the fence with me? I think that's a brilliant fight. I forgot it was happening this week. That's, that's I really think that's good. a very good fight. So, Mike Perez, yes? Oh, I yeah, think Mike, very... Mike Perez, yeah, he's taking on Maris Breedis. Oh, I think that's a very, very... I think it's 50-50 fight. 
But I'm going to have to sit on the fence for that because I'm not really quite sure about that one. Yeah, me too. I'm sitting on the, the fence with splinters in me behind. Uh, moving over now to Puerto Rico in the Coliseo Rafael Amalbert in, in Juncos. This is right mouth, all that. Um, Juan Manuel Lopez, 35 and 5, takes on Jason Velez, 25 and 4, with one draw. Um, Juan Manuel Lopez, obviously former world champion, big puncher. It's a 12 rounder, no belt on the line. But, um, yeah, that, you know, we've got to mention that one. That should be a decent fight, I suppose. Jason Velez, a guy that's kind of fouled on the big stage a little bit so I think it's probably a tailor-made opponent really for Juan Manuel Lopez even at this point in his career moving over now to Sweden one fight to mention over there Anthony Yidget 19-0 with one draw that's the guy who beat up um, Lenny Dawes quite quite convincingly he's a really good fighter by the way he puts his EBU European super lightweight title on the line against Sandor Martin whose record is 29 and 1 I can't remember who he lost to but he's actually a decent fighter Sandor Martin so it's going to be really interesting to see that fight unfold see who wins that one but I really rate Yijit also um, moving over now to the Borough Hall in Hartlepool County Durham United Kingdom Abigail Medina 17 and 3 with two draws puts his EBU European title on the line. It's the super bantamweight version against our very own Martin Ward, 25-3 and three with one draw. All the very best to Martin Ward. That's not Martin J. Ward. That's just Martin Ward. Um, moving over now to the Echo Arena, Liverpool. A couple of fights to mention on this bill. It's not a great card, this 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 one. I know it's going to be on Sky this weekend, but I'm, I'm, I'm really not that into it. Um, remember, get your predictions ready. Um, Natasha Jonas fights a... A four-rounder, that's four two-minute rounds against a, a woman called Bohanna, I think it's Bohanna or Bojana Libizuska, whose record is 5-24. and 24. Natasha Jonas, obviously, 1-0. and oh. Derek Chisora, 26-7, and seven, fights this weekend in a six-rounder against Marios Kolias, whose record is 3-1 and one with one draw. That's a poor, poor fight. I know that Derek Chisora is fighting for the European title, um, you know, in that in that Monte Carlo show in a few weeks' time. But come on, man, this guy is three and one with one draw. Um, the only thing I will say is he's of his three wins, he's won all three of them by knockout. So hopefully he can punch a little bit. It's only a six rounder, but like the best opponent that he took on was a guy who only had one win. His record was one and zero. Oh. That's his best opponent. Apart from that, he's took on guys with losing records, and he's took on guys who haven't even got a single win on their record. So, you know, it's going to be an easy, easy win for Chisora. He's going to probably knock the guy out and, you know, turn a few heads thinking that he's some kind of rejuvenated version of himself. It's, don't fall for that one. Um, also on the bill, Scott Fitzgerald, 7-0. and He's in a six-rounder against Bradley Price. 38 and 23 that's a good step up there for Scott Fitzgerald also on the bill Anthony Fowler his record 2 and 0 he takes on Jay Byrne in a 6 rounder Jay Byrne 5 and 2 Jay Byrne um, he's never been stopped in those two losses he lost to Felix Cash on points and he lost to Josh Kelly on points so Anthony Fowler trying to make a little bit of a statement there I'd imagine also on the bill Tom Farrell 13 and 0 takes on O'Hara Davis 15 and 1 this one's for the WBA International Super Lightweight title if I'm not mistaken that's Tom Farrell's belt I as we, 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 we were talking about this one earlier on in the week we want to hear your prediction on this one Tom Farrell and O'Hara Davis I've gone with O'Hara Hara Davis to win by knockout. Um, while you're saying your prediction, I just want to quickly gather our um, our listeners' prediction. Okay. How do you see the? I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go for Hara Davis knockout as well. I can't. Um, I'm going to go with a fifth round knockout. 
okay, you don't really have to be um, as specific to actually choose a round, but you're going with a knockout, I'm going to go with a knockout. Our listeners also believe that O'Hara Davies will win by a stoppage, so all of us, me, you, and the listeners are going with Davies by a KO. Um, moving up the bill once again, Sean Dodd, 14-2 and two with one draw fights. Tom Stalker, 12-2 and two with three draws. That one's for the Commonwealth lightweight title. How do you see that one going? Oh, that's a fight... Um, that again, we've we've predicted. I've asked our listeners as well. Who do you see winning that one? Sean Masha Dodd and uh, Tom Stalker. I think Sean Masha Dodd will win that on points. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, I've gone with Tom Stalker to win on points, and our listeners have gone with Tom Stalker to win on points as well. So that will be interesting. There's a split there. Also, I mean, this is a bad, bad card in my opinion. I mean, there's no fight on here really that I'm that I'm really looking forward to, apart from maybe O'Hara's fight just about um you know that that'll actually be the, the good fight but aside from that i mean i'm gonna watch it obviously being a boxing fan but it's, it's, it's really not it's really not getting me too excited also on the bill paul butler 24 and 1 takes on stuart hall 21 and 5 with two draws it's a 12 round that it's won no belt on the line of course they fought for a title before um this time round they're both a little bit older they've took a little bit more punishment and there's no belt on the line and of course it's uh happening this Saturday. Who do you see winning that one? Uh, Paul Butler and Stuart Hall in the rematch, I I think Paul Butler will win that on points. Yeah, me too. I've gone with him on points and so have our listeners. So we're, we're, we can't be split on that one. And the final... Um, the final one to mention on this bill, Rocky Fielding, 24-1, and one, takes on David Brophy, 19-1 and one, with one draw. The Commonwealth Super Middleweight title and the British Super Middleweight titles both on the line there. Um... Yeah, 12-round fight. It's a decent fight. You know, um, David Brophy's only loss obviously come to George Groves. Rocky Fielding's only loss come to Callum Smith. Both men were stopped in those losses. Um, both men are not really big bangers, in you know, in my opinion. I mean, Rocky Fielding, he, he does know how to take people out, but at a good level, he's, he's kind of, you know, you can't really get rid of them. So it seems at a good, at a good level. I like both guys, but no, David Brophy's just come off that really good win on the road if I'm not mistaken the fight where he was supposed to lose it and he pulled off a great win um, I like David Brophy man I know he's been sparring with Frank Bullione earlier this week or just at the back end of last week but no that should be a decent fight um, how do you see that one going Ayers Rocky Fielding or or or, uh, or David Brophy I'm going to go for Rocky Fielding win on points yeah I am going with Fielding to win on points as well but our, our listeners have actually gone with Fielding to win by knockout so yeah, we've we've been split on that. So the listeners going with a field in knockout. Me and you guys going with a field in points win. It's funny because on the poll that we asked, our actual listeners, um, the second most voted outcome was Brophy to win on points. So they actually believe if Fielding doesn't win by knockout, then Brophy will win on points. So interesting stuff, interesting stuff. Right, that's it from the Echo Arena in Liverpool, Merseyside, United Kingdom. Moving over now to the House of Blues in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. One fight to mention, really good friend of the show and myself, Mr. Spike O'Sullivan, Gary O'Sullivan, of course. He's in a 10-rounder against Nick Quigley. Nick Quigley, 15-2. and two. Spike O'Sullivan, 25-2. and two. Should be a really good fight there. Um, I'm, I'm wishing... Gary Spike O'Sullivan, all the very best, of course. A good good friend of the show, big puncher as well. Exciting when he wants to be. Um, there's one fight to mention before we wrap up the 
the, the previewing and, and ultimately do all the talking. Um, and it's basically happening next week. It's happening on the 3rd of October. It's actually happening next Tuesday. So by the time the show goes out next Tuesday, the fight would have already happened. Devon Alexander returns to the ring after about two years out. He's in a 10-round fight. His record, 26-4. and four. He takes on Walter Castillo, who's 26-4 and four as well, with one draw. I tell you what, Walter Castillo is a really good fighter, by the way. He's only lost to good guys. Um, if Devon Alexander's not on his A-game, and I can't see him being on his A-game after this really long layoff, this could be a big, big, big upset. It's going to be on Fox Sports 1 in the US, and it's not going to be getting shown in the UK. Um, I'm not quite sure where it's even happening. It just says it's happening in the USA. There's no venue yet, so... I'm a little bit sceptical of it, the whole thing even taking place. But that's a hard, hard comeback fight there for Devon Alexander. And that really wraps up the preview. And we've done it all now. We've done the Funny Name Fighter segment, which I always like doing. A really good name this week as well. Fantastic winner. We did the news. There was a lot to go over there. There was a lot to go over in the review part of the show. We tried to whiz through the preview in as quick as we could. I'm very sorry if it's been long-winded. It's been another long and informative show, I'd like to think. And it's now time before we wrap up part two. There's one last thing to do. You you know what that is it's of course to welcome guest number two ladies and gentlemen please welcome the former 2012 u.s olympian and unbeaten professional with a record of 20 and oh it's of course mr terrell gaucher terrell welcome to the show uh thank you thank you thank you for having me my man Hey, it's my pleasure, my man. So, Terrell, first things first, it's your debut appearance on this show. I want to ask you, just so our listeners get a bit of a backstory about you, how did you get into boxing in the very first place? If I'm not mistaken, you were 12 when you started to fight, right? Um, I actually was 10 um, when I first got to the gym. Yeah, and I had my first fight. Yep. But to, to be honest, the way I got into boxing, I, I just, when I was a kid, I, I used to watch a lot of, um, ESPN classics. I seen Muhammad Ali, and uh, you know I wanted to be the champion of the world. <laughs> so uh, I found a gym. I went in there, and uh, everything else is history. <laughs> and obviously, <laughs> you were you were a decorated amateur. You made it to uh, the, the to the 2012 Olympics, as I said. Do you remember your yeah. amateur amateur record at all? Uh, yes, I think I was. Um, I had a hundred. And 76 amateur fights, I believe. And um, I know I lost either 16 or 18. Um, and I won about 150-something. <laughs> excellent, excellent, excellent. And obviously, yeah. um, you know, you, you fought a, a few good guys in the amateurs. Who would you say is the best guy yeah. you fought in the amateurs, Terrell? Um, what, well, it's a it's few of them. One, one of the guys who gave me my biggest challenge amateurs was uh, uh, Jesse Hart. Um we fought twice, um, two close fights. I ended up winning both of them. But um, another guy was Caleb Plant, and we had a good fight in the um, 2012 uh, Olympic trials. Yeah, we, I, I won by two points in that fight, but it was a good fight. Yeah. No, okay. I thought you was going to say um, Jesse Hart because we actually had him on the show a few weeks ago. And um, he was. He, okay. he, still, he sounds like he's still still not quite got to grips with a loss he's like no it's not fair <laughs> but um... uh yeah i mean he i mean i i don't i don't you know me man we in the pros now uh my i take my hat off to him best of luck to him it, it is no nothing personal with me i won i won both times 
and it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah. Unlucky to him, though, he obviously fought for a world title on the weekend, just gone, and uh, came up just, just a little bit short. Um, right, since turning yeah. pro, since turning pro Terrell, um, or even mm-hmm. before turning pro, I just really wanted to ask you this. What big names that we might have heard of have you sparred with? Um, okay, well, I sparred with um, Kid Chocolate. Um, Peter I Quillen, sparred okay. with him. Yeah, Peter Quillen. I sparred with uh, uh, Hassan and Dom. Oh, yeah. He Big friend of the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I sparred with so many guys. Um, I sparred with David Benavidez a while back. Big guy. Um, I sparred with uh, Sudo Ramirez, the guy that just won the championship. I mean, the guy that just defended his title against uh, Jesse Hart. Yeah. Um, the list goes on. And I can't even name them. I sparred some good guys out here in California. Wow, man, that's a, that's an impressive list there. Um, just just Hassan and Dan, by the way, he's a lovely, lovely guy, you know. Yeah, yeah, he's a real good guy. I learned a lot sparring with him, and I'm um, also Peter Quillen. Uh, really took advantage of the experiences. Yeah, excellent, man, excellent. So, as a pro, you're under the tutelage of Manny Robles. That's right. Yes, sir. And that gym at the moment is thriving. You've got yourself in the gym. Who who's in there beside yourself? I know you got Oscar Valdez, Michael Conlon. Yes, we got Oscar Valdez, Michael Conlon. We got uh, Yeshislav Slavsky. He's fighting uh, Kovalev, November 11th. We got uh, we got so many guys, man. It's crazy. We got Dominic Brazil, also 2012 Olympian. We have uh, Manny Robles, his son. He's undefeated. Um, it's hard to name him, man. Emilio Sanchez, he's 16 and 0. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, okay, that's just man. some that's, of the names. Still, it. it's still more. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, it's a brilliant gym at the moment. It's really thriving in there. So, on to your pro yeah. career now, Terrell. As I said, up until this point, you've compiled a perfect record, 20 and 0. Along the way, you've beaten some good guys, but undoubtedly, you're in the toughest test of your life come October 14th, where you take on a man yeah. that many people believe is the best fighter at 154. That man, of course, is Eris Landy Lara. His WBA Super yeah. and IBO World Titles will be on the line. Firstly, Terrell, what do you make of Eris Landy Lara as a fighter? Well, to be honest, I feel like I like to um, to challenge because I do believe that um, he's a, a the top at 154, one of the top guys. I, I wouldn't necessarily say he's the best because obviously I want to prove that I'm the best, you know. But uh, I've seen him in the in in the ring. I've watched him for a while. And uh, he always put out a good performance. And my job is to go out there. If I, you know, when I go out there and beat him, that will say so much about me. And it open up bigger fights for myself. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And looking down at your pro record, I struggled to find many Southpaw opponents, apart from one that you stopped in the first round back in 2014. And I'd imagine, I'd imagine, yeah. I'd imagine that's not the, the most ideal preparation for not only a world-level Southpaw, but one as good as Lara. Yeah, but, you know, you know, something, um, I'm, I have the experience to spar with so many Southpaws, and I have a lot of experience with Southpaws myself, with, uh, with the extensive amateur background, mostly everybody from the foreign countries come in South Park, whether they naturally South Park, they just train to fight that way. Um, you know, so yeah, I haven't fought many South Parks besides that one. And, uh, 
But I, I feel like the sparring alone get me ready for for him in my yeah. spirit. Yeah, no, I thought you'd say something like that. That's a smart answer there. I want to shed light on one factor in this fight. Um, obviously, I've got no idea what your game plan is, but looking at it from an educated point of view, you're a boxer, he's a boxer. He's only lost two fights, both by decision. I believe you've yeah. possibly got the power to potentially knock him out, but I think you've probably got more chance outboxing him over 12. Now, one thing that goes in yeah. your favour is that he's only boxed mm -hmm. four rounds in the last 17 months. In that time, you've boxed 20 rounds. Do you view that as an advantage going in, or is that just a load of nonsense? Uh, to be honest, my honest opinion, I don't, <clears throat> I don't look at uh, look at it like that. I feel as though um, I'm gonna be ready for the best uh, liar come fight night because obviously he's the champion, and you know he want he wants to keep his his belt, and I'm the challenger, and I'm hungry. I want to take his belt, so I'm always looking for him to be prepared. I don't. I've trained my hardest I ever trained in my life, and I feel like I'm uh, more prepared than I ever been, even uh, my whole career. And there's some other brilliant fights on the bill. I was saying the other day that this card of boxing should just be called the best of 154. Obviously, the WBA yeah. Super, the WBC, the IBF, and the IBO belts are all at stake in one evening on one card. Yeah. I'm so happy also to see Jarrett Hurd defending his title against Austin Trout. We had Austin on this show a couple yeah, of months back fight. talking about a fight. He's a great fight. How do you see that one unfolding, in your opinion? Uh, to be honest... I don't even want to make it to, uh, no opinions about this fight because I got, like I said, like you said, we I have a tough fight on my hands. I need to worry about getting this guy a belt and uh, whoever made the best man win between them guys. Uh, we got Charlo and Lubin. We got Jerry Hurd and um, Austin Trout, Austin obviously. All of them is a 50-50 chance any guy can win. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the, the Charlo and Lubin fight, but if you don't want to, uh, you know, pick a winner, that's completely fine. Um, right, no, I one, can't. That's fine, man, that's fine, that's fine. But another great fight. There's three brilliant fights here on one weight class, mm -hmm. on one night. Um, a question now, a question now, Terrell, that I like to throw at all the boxers we speak to from overseas. I want to put you yeah. on the spot a little bit here. Who would you say is your favorite UK fighter from any era. They can be way retired, they can still be active now, any era. Uh UK fighter. Um from Yeah, I would like to say my guy that beat Roy Jones, uh the Southpaw. Uh I forget his name. Joe Kawasaki? <laughs> Joe Kawasaki, I like him. I like Joe Kawasaki. Yeah, that's a that's a popular answer. He's uh, definitely yeah. one of our best. Definitely yeah. one of our best, man. Right, Terrell, just before I let you go now, I've, I've run out of questions pretty much. Anything that you want to say at all before we let you go to any of your UK fans over here? Obviously, UK fans have, have got a good reputation, and believe me, they know who you yeah. are over here already. For sure. Like, um, I got some a lot of UK fans that reach out took me on social media that's followed me ever since the Olympics. I want to say, uh, you know, I appreciate you guys that's keeping the boxing alive. Um, I'm going to go out there and put on my best performance, and, um, I'm, you know, hopefully I get in a lot of more U.K. fans, and um, I just appreciate you guys for reaching out to me. Absolutely, my friend. Okay, listen, it's been a pleasure interviewing you, um, Mr. Terrell Gaucher. It's, 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 yeah. been, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time. And God willing, next time we speak, I'll be speaking to the new WBA world champion.
<laughs> for sure, my man. Thanks a lot for having me. Okay, and that wraps up episode 102 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Summer has been I as Summer. A big thank you to our two guests on this week's show, the heavyweight nice guy Dave Allen and USA's 2012 Olympian and soon-to-be world title challenger, Mr. Terrell Gaucher. The Prediction League currently stands at three points for me two points for Ayaz and one point for our listeners. Best of luck with this weekend's picks though as there are four points at stake. A big thank you as always to our listeners that make this show what it is. Without you guys it would not be worth it. Enjoy your weekends people and we'll see you next week.